Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, everyone. It's Devraga, and I thought I'd do a very quick bonus episode on this whole Evergrande crisis. Um, now, I think it's important to realise the power of leverage, but also what could go wrong horribly um, if things don't um, pan out the way you anticipate them to. So um, I've had a few questions about Evergrande um, and people wanted to know about why it happened and what are some of the learning points about it. So I thought I'd make a very short episode on the whole saga. Now, what is Evergrande? Basically, they are one of the largest property developers in the world. Um, and these guys are huge. So to provide some scale uh, and comparison, they're across 280 cities uh, in China and they have active building projects of over 1,300, mainly apartments, but also some uh, retail and commercial products. And they also have their finger in other industries like electric cars, media, financial services, theme parks, which I thought was a bit odd, health services, and also their own um, some sports teams. So I guess how did they end up in the situation? Um, and basically, they've ridden the wave of property boom in China over the last 10 years. There's been a massive boom uh, in China in terms of construction. And they borrowed loads of money to fund their construction projects. Uh, as most property developers know, that uh, to actually you know, come up with capital for these projects, some of them in the hundreds of millions of dollars, you need to borrow money. And that's exactly what Evergrande did. And in that process, they've now become the most indebted company in the world. I mean, they owe about 300 billion US dollars. Now, to provide some perspective, the amount of money they owe is as big as the entire worth of Disney, PayPal, Nestle, Roche, MasterCard, Procter & Gamble, and Adobe. So these companies are worth around 300 billion US dollars. That's how much money Evergrande owes. Uh, and the way they do that is um, they issue bonds, which are you know usually rated B or C grade. And the bonds are then bought by other institutions or private investors. And basically, Evergrande promises to pay them back in addition to interest called coupon payments. Now, in terms of what's happened in the last 10 years, um, Evergrande primarily built construction projects in tier two cities. So they didn't really concentrate on tier one cities like Shanghai or uh, Guangdong or, 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 or um, Beijing. They, they're more concentrated on smaller cities. Now, when I say smaller cities, it's smaller cities by Chinese standards. Okay, so to give you perspective, their you know tier two cities would be around three to five million people. Now Melbourne has about five million people. So um, in Australia, Melbourne is considered a big city. In China, it may be considered as a tier two city. 
And when you look at the average home prices in China in 2010, it was about 10,000 US dollars. The average home price in China in 2020 is 20,000. So it's been an increase of about 100%. And that's in tier two cities. Now, in tier one cities, like Shanghai, it's gone up from 2010 uh, uh, stats of $20,000 per home or apartment. In 2020, it's been $50,000. So it's gone up by more than 100%. Now, this is the wave that Evergrande rode. And enter the Chinese government in 2020. Basically, um, they got worried they, meaning the Chinese government, got worried about the debt levels of companies and the risk of the property market crashing. And in 2020, they decided to introduce some policies to try and curb the debt. And they also got really worried that the Chinese economy was over-reliant on the housing market. Now, why did the Chinese government get worried? Because last year, the median home price-to-income ratio in China hit record highs, particularly in tier one cities. So in cities like Shenzhen, it was 46 to one. The ratio was 46 to one. You needed to earn 46 times your annual income in order to be able to afford to buy a house. In Hong Kong, it was 45 to one. In Beijing, the median home price to income ratio was 41. In Shanghai, it was 36. And these are insane numbers. Now compare that to other major cities like San Francisco, which is eight, New York City, which is 10, Paris, which is 21, and Tokyo, which is 15. So the median home price income ratio in China, particularly in those tier one cities, which means the fallout of tier two cities also became more expensive, was incredibly high. That ratio was crazy. Now, As I record this episode in Australia, we are going through something similar where the property prices, particularly residential property, is becoming more and more expensive, particularly in Sydney and Melbourne, but also in major capital cities around Australia. So how does that compare to the Australian median home price to income ratio? Well, on average, it's only six in Australia and in Sydney, it's around nine and in Melbourne, it's around eight. So although we're a little bit concerned down under, it's not that bad as China. Now, basically, in terms of the Chinese government intervention, we've seen similar things in the past with other companies, Alibaba, Tencent, where basically the Chinese government introduces policies to literally wipe out entire companies' values overnight. And this happened before. And that's kind of what happened to Evergrande in terms of introducing borrowing limitations, debt limitations, meant the company couldn't borrow as much as any more. And remember, as a property developer, you need to be able to have access to capital in order to build projects. You need money leveraged in order to build projects. And the reason why the Chinese government decided to have restrictions on debt for some of these companies was they wanted China's resources to be more focused on high-tech manufacturing. And their vision of modern prosperity and common prosperity didn't fit in with borrow as much money as possible to become wealthy, which was kind of what was happening in China. In other words, they wanted to address the wealth inequality, particularly when it comes to property um, in China. And the stats prove this. Like in 2002, 8% of urban employment in China was in the housing and construction industry. In 2020, almost 18% of urban employment in China 
was in the housing and construction industry. So that's a 10% increase. And when it comes to real estate, it accounts for about 15% of China's GDP. So the Chinese government restricting access to debt to companies like Evergrande meant they couldn't borrow more and more money to build more and more projects to create higher and higher prices for homes. So the Chinese government wanted to put the brakes on the overheating real estate market. So that set the scene. So what happened next? Well, this created a problem for Evergrande because they couldn't access liquidity. They had a liquidity problem and a cash flow problem. Now, Evergrande needed money to fund its projects and they couldn't access that money via loans. This meant that they needed to sell existing finished apartments at much lower prices to get the money to improve their cash flow situation. This meant they couldn't sell the apartments for the higher prices. And this meant they got less money for their apartments sometimes than what it costs to build them. And this sets up a chain reaction. That is, new business is hard to come by because people are so worried about investing in Evergrande. They couldn't sell new projects, which further means a cash crunch. And they had to sell off the existing projects at discounted prices. Now, earlier this year, the media basically got wind of this. And negative media reporting also makes the situation 10 times worse. In addition to that, note that Evergrande only concentrated on smaller cities, not the bigger tier one cities. And of course, when you sell property in smaller cities, the price accumulation or the capital gains is not as much. So they had to sell for cheaper than what they had anticipated. And of course, debt payments are looming. In fact, last week they were meant to pay off some debt, but they don't know what they did, whether they could afford to pay it or not. I think they've met with the creditors and come to an agreement. So they owed interest payments on some of their bonds last week. And they probably couldn't pay it. Now, upcoming bond repayments account for about $7 billion in repayments coming in 2022. That is if they actually exist in 2022. And of course, the people they owe money to have come back knocking on their doors. And you've probably seen videos online about people protesting outside of their headquarters. And of course, when news floods the market, the added compounding effect is other companies that may have invested into Evergrande have stopped investing. So again, another cutoff of money. So here's the problem. Debt repayments are overdue. Creditors want their money back. Customers want their product. Other companies won't even touch Evergrande due to bad publicity. They're fast running out of money to pay the bills despite being able to sell their apartments at discounted prices. You can see now it's a chain reaction. Now, how does this affect Australia? Well, it does affect Australia to some extent. Construction needs steel. And steel is produced from iron ore. And Australia is the world's largest producer and exporter of iron ore. If there's less demand for iron ore, the price of iron ore will plummet. Supply and demand, right? It has already plummeted by 65% since earlier this year when it peaked. And in 2020 financial year, to give you some perspective, Australia exported $85 billion worth of iron ore. So at some stage, it does come back to bite us. And that leads to the next concept called the contagion effect. Now, contagion is similar to a virus which spreads across continents. Now, how appropriate 
we have in this financial terms talking about a global pandemic in terms of finances and the word contagion is so apt for 2021. A contagion in finance just means the ripple effect of a major company crash in one market, which has a ripple effect similar to you throwing a rock into a lake and causes ripple waves to other industries in other countries and other markets and other continents. I guess the flip side is, why can't the Chinese government simply bail out Evergrande? Well, they could, and they've done it in the past with other companies. But given the scale of things, they're worried it will set a bad precedent. And they're worried that it rewards bad behaviour. What is the bad behaviour? Well, just keep borrowing money and end up in trouble. And I guess I'm doing this episode because someone asked me, Dev, what is the lessons here? We can extrapolate these lessons to personal finance. I think there's lots of good lessons. And that is, when it comes to leverage and borrowing money, when things go well, they go really well. Evergrande became the world's biggest property developer in the last 20 years. And leverage and borrowing money for investing is a great idea when things go well. But it's a bad idea when things go badly. That is a valuable lesson in personal finance too. That's why I worry about when people think to me and say to me, Dev, money is so cheap right now with debt, so it's mad not to borrow money to invest. I agree. Money is cheap. It is mad not to borrow money to invest if things go well. And if things don't go well, it absolutely destroys you. So all I ask is, before you borrow money, know the risks, know the limitations, and know the benefits. Do your numbers, hope for the best, and prepare for the worst. And that way, even if things go bad, you've got a way out of it. That's about it for this episode. A quick summary on Evergrande, what it is, what happened, and what are some of the learning points about the crisis. This is Devraga Personal Finance. Just a quick bonus episode. And until next time, please stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.